what's up, folks? Just this is Ben Cominacci here, episode eight of the Z's Words podcast. This is we already recorded the episode, but now we were just shooting the you know what with Kyle, and uh, we just had some breaking news. So um, you will hear uh, this breaking news uh, later in the episode um, regarding a big NFL trade that happened today. So anyway, jumping into it. All right, what's going on, guys? We are here for CV Sports Podcast Episode 8, uh, March 12th, 2019. I didn't screw up the date this time, dude. Um, how you doing, Chris? What's going on? Uh, doing good, man. Um, weather is great out here, uh, and springtime is here, but... Uh, springtime Which, I'm, which I'm happy about, but um, yeah, man, we got a, got another guest on the show today. Yeah, dude, this is a special episode. This is our now second episode featuring a very special guest, his first time on the uh, on the CB Sports Podcast, Mr. Kyle Wood. K. Wood! What's up, boys? You know, first time, long time, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we, we appreciate it, man. <laughs> first time caller, long time listener. <laughs> excited to be here boys and this is gonna be a fun one this is gonna be good stuff dude it's been uh and now i mean this is a great time to have you on because it's been a busy nfl free agency period i mean i nothing is technically actually like official official i think right until tomorrow till these things can actually be signed and dined yeah it's like it's like the uh legal tampering period i guess is what they call it and then like the actual league year starts uh tomorrow at 1 p.m pacific i believe so yeah there's potential that things change but more likely a lot of these are like officially unofficial i yeah, guess exactly so um it's yeah thing, there aren't very many of them there are only like 35 <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right it's a lot of paperwork to, that's got to be put in order and, and ready to get signed right uh who do you guys want to start with kyle do you want to you want to kick it you want to kick us off here and who do you want to yeah i'm gonna i want to kick it off with a uh slightly you know not your average one. Everyone wants to talk about Antonio Brown first. I understand that. I want to talk about Deshaun Jackson. Let's talk about Deshaun Jackson, Cal guy, huh? Because, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, because I know you love Deshaun, Chris loves Deshaun, I love Deshaun. Dude, you, know, you just sent me uh, that highlight. To the that, Eagles. You just sent me that old highlight. Uh, I did, yeah. <laughs> it was before anything even was said about it, I think. Yeah, which was that highlight of uh, Colquitt. Right or Paul Quit, whatever the hell his name was from Tennessee, yeah. doing the kick, and then Deshaun Jackson like did that those like EA Sports video game moves to return it. It was insane, right. dude. And and I sent it from his Instagram account. I think it was right after the Bucks said they weren't gonna have him anymore. I don't know if anything had been announced about him going back to the Eagles, but the Eagles basically got him three. It seems like it's really uh, you know it's it's Deshaun. Plus a 2027th round going to the Eagles for a 2019 sixth round for the Bucks. I mean, for me, that's that's kind of an easy easy deal to make. I'd rather have somebody with that deep threat. I understand he's God, what is he 32 now, but he's still super fast. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, dude, I, I I'm excited to see him go back to the Eagles uh, for sure. As far as like the deep threat, I mean, like you said, he's 32, but I don't know, man. The speed is definitely still there for him. Um, I was just looking up just like I want to do, you know, like a little quick rundown as far as like how his stats were and stuff. I think uh, in the two years that he was in Tampa, he never went over 800 yards receiving. Uh, I mean, part of that, obviously, Tampa had Mike Evans. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he does once he's back on the Eagles. I think he's had obviously the most success there. So I'm excited to see like kind of how he 
fits back in. I mean, obviously it's a different system, different, uh, different coaching staff since the last time he was there. Cause I think, uh, he hasn't played there since 2013. So some things have changed, but I think the change of scenery and I guess back to familiar scenery for him, uh, that's definitely intriguing. I, I think uh, more so than if he was going to another new team. I, I think Philly uh, is definitely a good landing spot for him, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think I think uh, he seems to be happy with the things. Been posting on Twitter and, and Instagram, whatever. I have stoked he is to be back in uh, in Philly. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it would be really exciting to see him streaking down the field in the in, uh, green again. I agree. Uh, I, I I agree. That's bad. Wow. Yikes! <laughs> wow, we're off to uh, I'm off to a bad start. Uh, dude, let's jump. I mean, there's a lot to go over here. Let's jump into another guy. You guys want to? How about a uh, really quick one that I thought was kind of funny? Anthony Barr, <laughs> like agreeing to go to the Jets, and then oh wait a second, uh, never mind. Uh, I'm gonna stay in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Punked you. Punked you. Didn't he do that before too? Didn't right. he like he spurned the Jets before or something? He like did something where he like backed out of some deal with them before he signed. Like, um, I'm not sure about Barr specifically. What it brought to mind for me was uh, Frank Gore, who's someone I'm going to talk about in a, in a little bit. But because uh, Gore did kind of the same thing a few years ago with the Eagles, uh, I think he was supposed to go to the Eagles and then he ended up backing out and then obviously he ended up going to the Colts. But uh, yeah, Barr. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's him that has spurned him before, but it's not the first time that the Jets have kind of you know, <laughs> got screwed. Uh, but uh, I, I saw a report um, this morning that was like you know the news kind of like we said you know officially unofficial stuff can change, and this is like a perfect example of it. Uh, he was reported like uh, last night, I think, that he was going to sign with the Jets, and the word kind of got out. You know, he was getting text messages and all that stuff. And I guess the, he basically said he, he was like physically sick, like as the reports rolled out and stuff. I think once it dawned on him that he's like, oh, crap, I'm signing with the Jets. Uh, what am I doing? Then, uh, yeah, he got kind of physically sick and ended up like opening up negotiations again with Minnesota. And they basically jump back in and like up their offer. And he's like, yep, save me from it's this the, mistake. It's the beauty of, of being able to like do these verbal contracts before you ink them and make them official. Like it's kind of the beauty of it where you you can just do that. That's verbal commitment. It's kind of like the college signing period type deal where you can just a high school kid can verbally commit, but then, you know, then they start getting swayed another way for whatever reason, you know, they're young and their emotions change, their heart changes, right? It's like, that's kind of the beauty of this for him. Cause imagine if he did just ink that deal and, in that moment and then he got physical i mean he would have he probably would have been he probably would have thrown up from that had he had, had he started feeling that feeling but he there was no going back on it right like it's kind of yeah, there's no way to keep that one in yeah that's <laughs> i think that was pretty funny uh yeah well, the, the jets did get their linebacker though because they did sign cj mosley to it fairly large contract they did and that was before i think this whole thing went down with bar right so it was like looking like i thought it was after but sure was it it was kind of in between i think bar so they had they had announced or whatever whoever announced that bar was going to sign with the jets and then i think like this morning they announced mosley's deal and then an hour or two after bar got like maybe he didn't back out at that time but an hour or two after the report broke that he that he was backing out so they which had like an overlap where they had like two both. really good signings. Yeah, but. which makes you think like was Bar, I mean Barr must have been 
you you think maybe what did he did he have tunnel vision after that sick feeling and like and then he was just focused on working out a deal with the Vikings or I mean did he was he aware that Mosley went there and like oh hey like you're gonna be kind of showing like a powerhouse core here now for the Jets defense like because that shows a little bit of sign of promise that probably would have taken away some of that sick feeling this like I I picture CJ Mosley signing in that little period of him feeling sick is like a little shot of Pepto-Bismol for him you'd think right but like it could just be that they that he realized that Mosley's getting a lot more money than him. I mean, they both signed mm-hmm. five-year contracts, and Mosley certainly got the better deal. Eighty-five million with fifty-one guaranteed. Yeah, I didn't even. What's bars? Do we? Even yeah, know what I'm, bars I'm looking at bars. Bars, I think. Seven and a half with thirty-three. Yeah, okay. so yeah. a little bit less. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think maybe part of it too is just like. I don't know, maybe initially he was like, all right, I'll take the pay raise with, with the Jets and, you know, he's all about, like, the money and all that stuff. But I think maybe reality sets in a little bit. I know, like, and we'll touch on this with Antonio Brown too, but, like, I mean, we just saw this a couple days ago how, like, news broke where Brown was potentially going to the Bills and then he kind of jumps on that. It's like, no, that's fake. That's not happening, all that stuff. You know, reality kind of sets in a little bit quick maybe once it's almost official. So maybe he's like, you know what, I'll take a little bit less to stay with Minnesota because, I mean, I don't actually see any – terms as far as what the Jets were going to offer Barr, but I mean, it might have been the same as, as Mosley, but if, you know, if he feels comfortable with the Vikings and taking a little bit of a hometown discount or a comfort discount or whatever, uh, I could definitely see why he maybe kind of backed out and decided to stay with the Vikings after all. Yeah, for sure. It makes sense to me. Um, What about another defensive guy, uh, Trey Flowers, going from the Pats to the Lions? Um, going to play for his old defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw that one too. Was I think it was five years, ninety million uh, for Flowers to the Lions. Uh, it was interesting to me, not only because obviously, like you said, Flowers is going uh, to follow basically his uh, former defensive coordinator. I know uh, Danny Amendola signed with the Lions too, kind of a smaller deal, but Matt Patricia yeah, is kind of bringing bringing some of those uh, Patriots guys over. Um, but I just think it's interesting um, between Flowers, and we can dive into Flowers a little bit here if you guys want to, but I also wanted to bring up Trent Brown's uh, big contract with the Raiders, another guy who was just on the Pats, um, and the Niners had traded him away a couple years ago. But two guys were getting like huge, huge deals from other teams. I think it's interesting that the Patriots are kind of you know, not shelling out the cash for these guys, and they kind of continue to build through the draft and all of that, and, and watching, you know, other guys kind of get paid huge contracts elsewhere. So I, I did think that was interesting. Flowers and, and Brown both getting big paydays elsewhere, like right at the start of free agency. And I, I never really heard New England really consider bringing either of those guys back. So just kind of funny to see how they operate. They're like, you know what? We're cool. We'll let other guys kind of potentially overpay some of our guys and, and we'll just restock like they like they always do. Hey, man, until the system breaks of what they're doing over there in New England, like whatever don't question it that's the thing that's i mean if, if we've learned anything from this last decade of that team dominating the nfl it's you know just wait to see until the system stops working right <laughs> i don't know but yeah, uh, that's, that's my curiosity going forward with uh with how old brady is i want to know if they can still run the same system without the same quarterback yeah i mean that's that's gonna be something i want to kind of keep an eye on here um I mean, not obviously not with free agency, but like, what do they end up doing? Like in the draft? I mean, we can dive into all that stuff later on. But 
Yeah, definitely. They're, they're, uh, they got a system for sure. And I think, uh, it's, I don't know, for the most part, it seems well thought out. I mean, I, I've kind of read up on stuff and you can kind of just look at some of the deals, uh, that we can dive into here. Like, I feel like a lot of the teams that are making, you know, these big splashes and have all the cap room are the teams that have kind of struggled and, and the teams that are trying to kind of catch up to the rest of the pack as far as free agency goes. So I think you see some of these more successful teams kind of sitting back and obviously the, the Pats are a prime example of that, but all the cash that's getting flown out here, uh, you kind of see, I mean, I don't even see any of these teams that are, that I have like kind of listed here. None of them were really playoff contenders or even in the playoffs last year, besides for the chiefs and the Eagles. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting to me. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of these teams just trying to kind of build up through free agency and a quick fix. So we'll see how some of these deals pan out. But I don't know what are what are the other uh, yeah what are the any, stuff you got else Kyle? you guys got as far as a free agent uh, you want to talk about? I mean, if you want to get into somebody else before Antonio Brown, we can, or we can just go straight into that. I mean, Brown Brown's a, a big topic for sure. Um, yeah, I did want to. I guess I'll kind of throw out a name just because. Uh, I mean, it's the Niners. Uh, they signed Quan Alexander, outside linebacker. Yeah, that's right. Um, or inside linebacker, I guess, from formerly the Bucks to four-year, $54 million deal. Um, and just my first impression, I guess, on that, I saw a lot of people kind of questioning it because he is coming off a torn ACL. A uh, couple years ago, he got suspended for uh, performance-enhancing drug violation. And then I think he like led the league in missed tackles uh, a couple years back. So a lot of people were kind of quick to start to pick that one apart. But I actually like that deal. Um, just digging into it a little bit. I think only half that contract's guaranteed. And as the Niners have kind of done with some of these free agents, um, it's pretty front-loaded. They're giving him a lot of it in signing bonuses. And uh, I think he's basically kind of a year-to-year guy after that first or second year. So I did like that deal. And if he recovers from his ACL injury, uh, he kind of takes over for where they thought Ruben Foster was going to be before all that went down. Uh, so he pairs well, pairs pretty well with Fred Warner. Um, so I did like that deal. I wanted to touch on that a little bit. I mean, he's not the highest profile name out there, but just from, you know, a 49er fan perspective, I did like them kind of jumping into at least address one of the issues. I mean, they still got a few other things, uh, to take care of, but that was a, I think a pretty solid signing, mostly low risk and potential for him. I mean, he, he's been a, a pro bowler in the past, so I like that deal with potential upside, uh, for sure. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, to Kyle, you wanted to talk Nick Foles? Did you bring? We I think we talked uh, oh, yeah, before we, we before we, we. Yeah, I thought I thought that was a good one. Um, yeah, Nick Foles, uh, right to the Jags, man, and and for uh, it's a lot of money, four year, eighty eight million with fifty and some change guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, how much That's... do you think this? I mean, this is obviously looked at as like an upgrade from Blake Bortles. Yeah, but, like, uh, most things are an upgrade from Blake Bortles. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and how much of this is, like, do you think them banking on the fact that, like, look how, like, Nick Foles was able to, like, just slide right in, like, when, twice now, when, when um, oh, my God, please help me out. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz went down. Thank you. Um, Twice now, two years in a row, right? I mean, when they freaking won the Super Bowl, let them just through the postseason into the Super Bowl like how much is this the Jags banking on him being able to do the same thing there with them but like it's it's a, I mean money wise it's a big risk for them to take that gamble but at the same time like 
I'll say it again. Anything is better than Blake Bortles. <laughs> yes, this is true. This is true. So like, like talent-wise, you're not risking a lot. Like, uh, you know, they could have got Mark Sanchez or something, and it would have been like, no, it's the same guy. You know, they pulled Tony Romo out of the booth, and he still would have done the same thing. Been an upgrade, but my my point is, like, they they got a, you know, they. It's definitely an upgrade. They spent a lot on it, but man, that is uh, that's a big deal. Yeah, I'd say that's arguably one of the biggest names for sure, floating floating around this whole free agency uh, period, um, which I guess could lead us to the next one. Chris, did you want to touch on? Did you want to throw some more um, out there? I yeah, mean, I mean, I'll just make a comment on Foles. I think uh, you know, like you said, with him jumping in for uh, Wentz, like last few years in the playoffs. I think the the biggest risk for the Jaguars is like you got to get there first. I think for Foles to really pan out. I mean, I, I feel like regular season wise, like you said, and I mean, Bortles obviously it's he's got to be an upgrade there for sure. No matter how much you're paying Foles, but I think that they definitely need to address kind of some of the weapons maybe around Foles offensively. Otherwise, I think they might be a little bit disappointed. And uh, it's you know I feel like the last couple of years it's been like you know the defense has carried them and they've had these weapons in place but Bortles has kind of like sunk the ship so to speak I almost feel like it's going to be reverse I hope that well I don't hope because I'm not a Jaguars fan but <laughs> just in general if they if they feel like you know Nick Foles is going to carry them into the playoffs I don't know if that's going to be the case if that's kind of what their expectation is I feel like maybe they're going to be a little bit disappointed I think they still need to potentially build the weapons or you know set them up somehow so that you can put him in that situation and then see how it, how it goes. But um, I think it's a, it, it's an all right signing. I mean, everyone's going to look at, oh man, 88 million, but that's kind of, that's what the price is right now. I think as far as quarterbacks and they needed one. So it's not like you're going to cheap out. And like you said, I mean, who else are you going to sign if it wasn't full? So uh, I like the deal, at least from that standpoint, trying to improve over Bortles. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'm with you on that too. Jameson Crowder to the jets. You guys want to touch on that? Yeah, that was a good one. Um, three-year, 28-ish, and 17 guaranteed, I think it was. That's, you know, getting a decent receiver for it. Yeah, a good slot guy for Darnold, you know. Sure. Um, for a team that, I guess, had issues in the receiving, you know, position last year. But uh, that was another – oh, another guy I think uh, that was pretty – that I thought was pretty bad. I think this this didn't happen today. This happened a little – I think uh, a few days ago. Eric Weddle uh, going to the Rams. Yeah. All um, right. What do you think of that? This 12-year vet, uh, you know, going to L.A. And apparently saying, quote, can't wait to pour his heart out for that team. Uh, what, what do you think about that, you know, fellow NFC division rival? Yeah, I mean, dude, I, I was kind of hoping, like, maybe the Niners had jumped in on him, like, real quick. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for the Rams, dude, it's like you really needed another defender. To yeah, add right. it, you know, so that kind of, yeah, for, the uh, rich from a Niners richer. perspective, it kind of, <laughs> that kind of sucks. But, I mean... Dude, I mean, I mean, he's, uh, I, I don't, I think he's like, with what, 35, 36, so I feel like this is going to kind of be, you know, his his last hurrah, so to speak, so yeah, I, I could definitely see him, like, going all out, and, and you know, he's joining a, a contender, obviously, a Super Bowl contender, they were just yeah. there, so uh, it's a good deal, I think, for him, and for the Rams, obviously, kind of bolster their secondary with a, a pretty good playmaker, even at his age, I think he's still... Uh, one of the top guys out there. Yeah, so he's a veteran presence it. on this, on, uh, I guess you could say, a majority younger type of Rams team, right? Uh, so I think that's definitely a, a good move for both both parties in this deal with Weddle and the Rams. Um, all right, should, I mean, do we want to get to AB with 
you know, do we want to get to the blonde mustache? I mean, I feel like, I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I mean, AB, and then I, I want to touch on Le'Veon Bell a little bit too. So I oh, think, yeah, uh, we'll get to him. I think let's definitely jump into kind of like the, the, the big name for sure. Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. Yeah. Uh, that one is official, I guess. Nah, yeah. I mean, yes. still not till tomorrow, but till tomorrow, but um, it's like, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I think he reported, it. yeah, he reported already to the Raiders facility. Yeah, he's there so. with no more blonde mustache, apparently. He's got, he doesn't have that anymore. Which, by the way, I didn't even know that he had that until I saw just the whole thing going down with the Raiders. And he was on, you know, on SportsCenter and, and then on, you know, on articles that I looked up. And he had a blonde mustache. And I couldn't, from the first time I saw it, I, it, I was like, did he just, like, do a line of cocaine? Like, what's going on? I couldn't, <laughs> I didn't know what the hell was going on. And then I realized he bleached his mustache blonde. Like, pulled a freaking... It just looked insane, dude. Like, who's the guy? Who's the wrestler with the handlebar mustache? Help me out. Hulk Hogan? Oh, he, yeah. like, pulled a Hulk Hogan. Like, there's, like, pictures of him next to... Like, to, or, like they put a side-by-side of Hulk Hogan's, like, blonde handlebar mustache and then Tony... It just... Oh, my God. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. He, he was probably going through maybe a little bit of an identity crisis I, there towards <laughs> the end of the Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, know what team stint, I'm going to go uh, to. And but, yeah, I, I mean... Let's, uh, yeah, I'll just break down the deal a little bit. So, uh, yeah, Oakland gets AB, Steelers get a third and fifth round pick, um, and then the Raiders, they did sign him to a three-year $50.1 million contract, and $30.1 million of that is guaranteed, which was big for him. That was, like with Le'Veon Bell, kind of like the stick-up with him was like he had no guaranteed money, I think, going into this year, um, and that was part of the reason, I think, that obviously the locker room stuff, but... He wanted to change his scenery. He wanted his guaranteed money, and he got it. And I think it worked out pretty well for both sides. I mean, I know we had been talking about, like, the last couple weeks, some of the character issues and stuff that's been going on with him. We'll see if some of that was just kind of him being like, you know what, like, I want to kind of screw over the Steelers here, and I I want to make it so that they want to trade me out of here or whatever. But uh, we'll see how, how that shakes out. But I think just from a talent standpoint, I mean, I don't think the Raiders could have done a lot better as far as adding that receiver. I mean, Amari Cooper was, was there and they traded yeah, him away. But, okay. So that, that was kind of, yeah, we'll get into that too because yeah. I kind of have some points to make between you know him and, and Khalil Mack and all that maneuvering that John Gruden's done. But I think on the surface though, I mean, if, if Antonio Brown still lives up to you know what he's been over his career, I think Oakland uh, definitely got a steal even with all the off-field issues that they've had. Yeah, I've heard this deal be perceived as in both ways as like oh my god like the Raiders got this great deal again with Tony Brown and then I've heard other people say like this is what what the hell are they doing like why would they have done this when they had Amari Cooper in their in their palm of their hand so I don't know Kyle what, what's your reaction to AB going well, I mean, yeah certainly I think that the Raiders got the better side of the deal um you're not getting a ton of for him in return in, in Pittsburgh, except for getting him just off their plate as a, as a nuisance as they seem to see him. And I don't get that at all. I think he's a fantastic receiver. I mean, I think in this day and age, especially we're, you're going to have your, your receiver basically is going to be a diva. You know, you look at OBJ and Mike Evans and I mean, even Julio to a little bit of an extent, maybe that's not an entirely fair one, but you kind of take that, ego with these guys because they're immensely talented and I think Antonio Brown certainly fits that bill and by the way I like the blonde mustache (laughs) (laughs) Kyle don't bleach your mustache oh god that'd be hilarious (laughs) Uh, no I I think I think they came off well I think um, 
certainly seemed like he wanted to be the number one guy wherever he was going. Um, he seemed to be a little bit upset at Juju kind of taking over his his spot there as their uh, number one receiver in in Pittsburgh. And I mean, I don't super blame him. Juju's great, but you'd think they'd want to stay with uh, with AB as their number one guy. But I mean, either way, you know, they the Raiders got rid of one great receiver, got another one in, and um, but it's almost like they really- fast forwarded like however many years man like yeah, a b no, is in the back nine of his career and he's and he nine is generous what <laughs> nine is generous. okay that's okay i was just okay yeah just using the golf expression okay he's in the back I know, yeah. last few holes here of his run and you know he has a th- <laughs> three-year deal right with the raiders just over 10 million a year i guess guaranteed um yeah so I mean, how successful can we expect him to be? Yeah, he's going to go in with Derek Carr, who is obviously a talent. Obviously, I, I, although I don't think you can say Carr has is, been the same since be his Derek injuries. Carr for three years. Yeah, he is. But I mean, dude, they had they had Amari Cooper, and it didn't work. And then they ended up trading him away. And like, what? I don't know if I get this move when you look at it from. When you take a step back and look at the entire timeline of like you had one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and Amari Cooper and you got rid of him and he wasn't doing that great when he was there with Derek Carr in that offense. Yeah, underutilized for sure. Yeah, and and now they get AB. Okay, AB is obviously more proven. I guess you could. I mean, for sure, you could say having more time in the league. But like, I don't know. I think I think the Raider Raiders the Raider Nation fan base can maybe be a little concerned like looking back in their history of like okay we'll look at the randy like how randy moss did when he came to oakland like or jerry rice or jerry rice like are uh, can they expect you know a similar this seems like a move that the raiders do (laughs) they bring in these legendary guys but like don't necessarily get what they're looking for in them and maybe this will be different what crabtree also or am i well crabtree did pretty well in one of those two two or Two years ago, I think he basically and turned I into their number. Legendary, but still. Sorry, I wouldn't call him legendary. Either, no, but still. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. And not, you can't. I don't think you can put Crabtree up there with Moss, Rice, or Brown. Uh, It'd be but super unfair to do that. But yeah, I'm I don't know. Like, got, like after and, and it, he did better than the rest. But even so, I don't know. Do you see this as a true move of like, all right, this is going to be a good this is going to they did this move purely for the intent of trying to build a contending team or or do you see I this as as more of a way to try and get butts in the seats and get excitement about the team for this last season in Oakland and the two years of his contract in Vegas Yeah, I'm seeing a little more like the Marshawn signing a little bit more like a let's appease people and make them happy while we're still here. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> dude, I, I, I'm i just looking over. It's like Antonio Brown is 31 years old. Cooper's 24. So like you, you talked about, you know, you kind of sped up the timeline here. You basically your number one receiver now aged seven years. <laughs> yeah. And I understand. Yeah. And it's like, all right, and now you're throwing out, you know, the three years, 30 million guaranteed for Antonio Brown. And, and I understand, you know, Cooper, they got a first round pick back for him. And part of it was, you know, he's going into his final year of his contract. They don't want to pay him, but... 
would they not have been able to sign him for the same three-year, $30 million deal? And you, ha- you have a guy that's seven years younger. I mean, not to take away from what Antonio Brown has done, and we don't want to just you know base it just purely on age, but just naturally, Cooper is going to have a longer career, you'd assume, than Brown is as far as the age difference there. So uh, to me, it's like there's obviously two ways to look at it, and, and some people have kind of been pro Raiders and said, you know what, John Gruden and, and Mike Mayock, like who is now their new GM, it's like, all right, they're kind of geniuses. Like they traded Cooper Way and they got a first round pick and then they traded only a third and fifth and they got like an even better number one receiver. Like that was their plan all along. You know, they've been kind of playing the long game here. But then you have other people who are like, no, they've just been like throwing stuff on the wall and seeing if it sticks. They trade away their top receiver and they get a first round pick back, but now they need a receiver. And so they got to go out and trade for an older one. And like even the same thing with Khalil Mack, they traded a couple or they traded Mack, got a couple first round picks for him. But now Gruden spent the whole past year talking about how, oh, you know, a guy that can pressure the quarterback is like the key thing in the league. And it's like you just had, you know, you the best the, one. Yeah. And now they got to yeah, use one of those guy. first round picks to try to find another one in the draft. So. I don't know. To me, it's like, I think it is more of a move where it's like, uh, you know, like you guys have mentioned, it's it's kind of trying to drum up a little bit of interest in this final season in Oakland. And I mean, obviously, Brown is, we'd assume, going with them to, to Las Vegas now that he's under that three-year contract. But I don't know. I think the sum of everything, it's like they got a little bit older and, and maybe they got a little bit better for the next year or two. But I don't know. I, th- yes, I feel like I mean, the money's all the same. It, it, it's going to end up working out the same either way because Cooper is going to get a, kind of that kind of deal yeah. with Dallas. And I think it doesn't match with what I think the Raiders have done this over this last year, which was seeming like to be looking to build a contender for the future, you know, with all, all these picks that they got and basically just almost like cleaning house and like, and then acquiring all these picks. And now it's like, but and. I don't see Brown matching up with that. Brown is a short-term solution with a three-year deal and, yeah, in the back three of his game, right? You know, like, not back nine, you know? But, like, uh, so I just, it doesn't match. I Yeah, I, I kind of take the side of, like, they're just kind of throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks and, like, I mean, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how we're, obviously, he's a proven talent and, and, and no team would necessarily say, getting Brown is a bad thing, but I just don't think it matches up with the moves that the Raiders did five moves back. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it all in all in the grand scheme of what the hell the Raiders are doing. So good luck. And, and I, I think <laughs> you are among many people where that's the case. Like nobody really knows what they're doing. I mean, hopefully they do. Dude, we, it's really confusing. It's true. Were you, <laughs> they didn't even know where they were playing until like a couple <laughs> weeks ago, man. Like they didn't they even still know where they're playing. Where they're playing next year? Well, they do know now. I think it's official. They're playing in Oakland. Uh, no, I mean this season, but the season after, don't they have an option to play in Oakland? Oh well, yeah, that's that's actually valid. Decided. That's true. They still. I mean, if if there's if for some reason Vegas lost the Vegas stadium isn't ready, then they have the option to to exercise that that option and, and I think play in Oakland one more year after this season, this upcoming season. But, um, but yeah, that's true. I mean, they don't, I mean, it was just kind of funny though. They, they literally had no home and they were homeless until two weeks ago or whatever it was, whenever right. that got announced and signed and dealed. But like, I don't know. That was, they're, they're kind of a crazy team right now all over the place. And maybe that's good for them. Maybe it's causing all sorts of, 
hype and drama and excitement. I think this Antonio Brown signing is exactly that. Um, and it'll sell tickets for sure. Um, cause you're bringing a big name to Oakland and then Vegas, I guess. So, um, do we want, what do you, do you want to transition into another wide receiver talk here? Do you want to hit the other stealer that's, that's no longer a stealer and going to end up somewhere else? What do we want to go um, to? Yeah, we can, Sorry, yeah, no, uh, I was going to say we can, we can move on to, uh, well, I'm assuming you're, you're talking about OBJ as yes. far as other receivers. Um, I'm, I'm down to talk either one. I think OBJ is probably the more interesting one. I feel like Le'Veon Bell at this point, um, we can just touch on him real quick. I know that the, uh, the Jets made an offer to him and basically they're saying like this offers on the table for a certain amount of time and then they're giving him a deadline. Um, and to me, it kind of seems like they are almost like the only players in this, in this game at this point. I, I haven't seen any other teams that have really, had strong interest in him. So it's almost like, you know, they're going to basically have a take it or leave it offer to him. And if he says no, I wonder if he sits out again. Like, I don't know. I'm never going to play again because he can't get the contract he wants. I don't know. There's rumors surrounding the Ravens making a push for him. And then I, you know, saw a headline on, on Fox sports today. That was like bears have quotes. The bears have significant interest uh, in him. So, I mean, who knows how solid any of that is or if it's shaky or not, but like, yeah, I think that's kind of funny. Like, I, I kind, of, I, I kind of like it. Like, it's, it's kind of like dramatic. And Kyle, you were saying off the air, like it's <laughs> like a girlfriend giving an ultimatum or something. But like, giving him a deadline. Wait, like, what? The guy clearly doesn't do well with that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> they, they're trying to, you know, they're putting franchise franchise tag on him so many years in a row, and he's upset by that. And it basically, he doesn't seem like he does very well with rules in general. So. <laughs> Why are you going to be like, well, you have to decide by this time. He'll be like, no, eat whatever. Eat it. And, and you know. And, not and not a good way to totally uh, blow you off. Is there's no way you're going to get him doing that. you got to be like, what, what do you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 no, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm okay with it. I mean, like, the guy's, you know, a very, very good running back. He's a great running back. I, I'd say you know, whatever he wants to do, you should let him do. I would like put so many rigid, put him in a box, so to say, is, is uh, kind of a crazy thing to do with a guy with personality like that. Especially, I think, going to a new team, it's like, you're already like pissing the guy off because he's like, well, I, I guess I'm signing here now because I couldn't wait an extra day to decide. So he's already kind of coming in with a little bit of a, an attitude, I think, as far as uh, the whole deadline thing. So yeah, he'll be an interesting guy to keep an eye on for sure. But um I think we can uh, hop over to the OBJ potential trade here uh, if you guys are down. Yeah, let's do it. Kyle, you want to you dive into that? Go for it. Whoa, Kyle. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> I was talking to you. Sorry. Do you want to dive no, into that? Yeah, I just um, – for me, it's not even just him. It's, it's the entire team of the Giants. Like, are they, you know, looking to trade OBJ and then – who else do you have? Like they got rid of, um, they get rid of who did they get rid of? Landon Collins, or not got rid of, but he was he was signed by the Redskins, um, who's a you know their what star safety, um, and, and it's kind of like where do you go from there? Like what what are they gonna do in terms of their whole team? They've been really really struggling the last what three years I think with with their really I guess with their quarterback problem. And if I was OBJ, I wouldn't want to play with Eli anymore anyway. The guy doesn't seem to be able to make a throw that's worthwhile more than, you know, seven yards out. 
that's true, dude. I mean, I think that's the kind of thing that, uh, you know, just bringing up uh, Manning is like, I just don't understand really what that franchise is doing with, like, they have obviously a devotion to Eli, but like you said, he is bringing down, it's almost like the Nick Foles, or uh, Nick Foles, Blake Bortles thing. Not that I'm putting Eli in that same talent category with Bortles, but like, you know, you have a, a star running back already with Barkley, you have a star receiver, and it's like that quarterback is just like bringing your whole offense down. I I would agree if OBJ is like, you know what, I, I want to be able to play with someone that's going to be able to get me the ball, like literally be able to throw me the ball more than seven yards. But I mean, he has signed his five-year $90 million deal. Uh, I think it was like last off season. So he's been paid. So it's not the Antonio Brown situation, but I could kind of see it quickly developing into that. Like if he goes through it another year where he's like, you know what? Like I'm not even getting the ball here. Like, what are we doing? You know? So I think the giants, they, I don't necessarily know if they have the kind of the same incentive to trade him because the contract's not terrible. And I believe he is like 26. So, you know, father time's not really ticking for him quite yet. But at the same time, it's like you said, I mean, if they, if they want to go and really tear this whole thing down, now is probably the time to trade him. Cause you're not going to get, you know, a third and fifth round pick like the Steelers did with Brown. Like they're talking Potentially, I mean, the Niners, I saw one of the trade scenarios is moving up to the number two pick. So you're still talking about a huge return on investment if they do decide to move him now. Right. And and I think you're right with, uh, you know, as you said, father time is not his enemy, but he is a very easily uh, frustrated wide receiver. And I think if he continues to get underthrown balls and or not enough throws or not enough touchdowns, whatever, He's going to really start underperforming, and I think that's a real threat for for Odell is is his uh, his own mind, really. Yeah, I mean, and I think it it, it kind of lay. That's why this. I mean, not to bring up this whole thing that we talked about last week, but the whole thing with and, and bring up Kyler Murray again. But like, if the Cardinals are in fact going to to go follow through on him and they're looking to trade Josh Rosen. That's why I think if the, if the giants want to hold on to OBJ and not get rid of him, and they have Saquon Barkley and that piece is Eli, if they can break that commitment that they have to Eli, this marriage that they have and get out of it, it's almost like a, it's this breakup. You don't want to have, you miss the good old days of like, Oh, like the good powwow, like, Oh my God, the times were so great early on in the relationship. And now it's turned into this horrible thing. And it's like, it's like, you just need to leave. And you're like, I, I can't leave. Like to quote Dane Cook, like, my CDs are in his truck. I can't just leave, okay? Like they can't they can't just leave Eli apparently. But but they can get Josh Rosen maybe. You know, if they can I'm just that's obviously plays into another team of what another team's going to do in the Arizona Cardinals, but like maybe their solution isn't necessarily trying to trade OBJ. It's trying to replace Eli Manning. And they I think it comes down like this whole conversation with OBJ is like, okay, what are the New York Giants going to do? Like are they going to stay committed? To Manning, or are they gonna stay? I mean, stay committed to Manning and trade OBJ and try and get something for him, or just keep this, like you said, Kyle? Like he's gonna hurt himself by underperforming if he's stuck in this rut in New York. Like, right? Yeah. And, it's, and it's funny you're uh, saying like breaking up with Eli. Like it, they're keeping him like he is uh, um, Tom Brady or or. Uh, you know, someone like that. It's like they, they don't want to get rid of him because he's doing. No, he's not doing anything now. Why has he been there the last three years? Yeah, I think it's because they miss. 
the good old days and there you have hopes that that's going to happen but it's clearly not happening so (laughs) not even it doesn't even like there hasn't been a glimmer of hope even (laughs) well i think i think part of it too it's almost like i think a couple years ago you know they were like out of the playoffs they sat him for a game. I think it was against the Raiders. They started Geno Smith oh, instead, right. and they, you know, he broke for like literally no reason. Eli was fine health wise. I mean, as fine as he can be, you know. But, <laughs> but, um, and, and it was like kind of like they, for an Iron Man. yeah, too. exactly. And and everyone was you know kind of criticizing that because they were like, okay, well, you're basically just sitting him. Why? Just because you're like, oh, we're out of the playoffs. So let's see what Geno Smith can do. But Smith was never going to be their QB of the future. And they had like huge criticism over that from their fan base. I feel like it almost kind of scared them to now where they're like, all right, like we'll, we'll keep starting Eli. Like even though now it's like, all right, now is probably the time where you can start to move on from him. But they're almost kind of scared of the backlash they're going to get, even though it's like pretty obvious that like now is kind of the time. And I'm, I mean... I don't know. Is so. there any love relationship there for, with Eli because of the fact that he's a Manning? Is there like a hope that well, look like look what Peyton did late in his career? Like, but it, I don't know. Just because they're brothers doesn't mean they're the same talent. Like, is, do you think that's a factor at all? Like, or what the hell's going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. No, I, mean, I, have, I have no idea why they keep him around. Even so, I, my only thought is they just can't get rid of him. Yeah, like, I mean, you have to release him and pay him, and they don't want to do that. That's probably it. I mean, I think also too, they don't necessarily have someone right now that's going to step in. So, I, I don't know. I, I think like in the short term, it's not necessarily that they have to, you know, choose OBJ or choose Eli, but it is definitely going to get. You don't want to get to a situation like Antonio Brown, where you know, if OBJ is fine with it now. You don't want like he doesn't. You don't want him to end up tanking his value, you know, a year or two down the line if this becomes a distraction and all that. So, I feel like definitely it's the time to strike if they do want to trade him. But I mean, if they don't, I think if they keep him, but they don't do anything to address the quarterback position, like in the draft or within the next year or so, are we there's no way they can be sitting here at the same time next year with the same question where Eli's in place without a backup and OBJ still there, like. That's just going to make it even worse. So I feel like they got to address it one way or another. Either build for your future by moving OBJ or, you know, use that number six pick that you have to invest in a quarterback so that way you can keep OBJ, but there is, you know, potential beyond Eli on the horizon at least. I think that's investing in your future more so than keeping Eli is keeping OBJ and finding a replacement for Eli. That makes more sense, right? Because you have more of a future with OBJ, but... But I don't know, like, when you said, like, you don't want to see OBJ tank his value over the next two years, it's like, well, as a Niner fan, not me, but you, like, maybe you do. <laughs> like, because if he, if his value goes down in the next two years and he's pissed and he's going to, it's like, it's this stressful situation, like, with Brown and the Steelers, then it's like, okay, he can get him for cheap. and But then, obviously, there's going to be high competition for him, and you assume, and maybe that'll drive his value back up, you'd think. But I don't know, yeah, but like... Then, but then his his skill level has to regain and you don't know if he's done enough like damage to himself mentally by questioning why he's not getting the ball Valid. so much and whatever yeah. that he could have done actual damage to his playing abilities. That's val- that's all valid. Um, it's all, and this is all hypothetical of course. So it's just like, I don't know. I mean, do we see him get moved sooner rather than later or moved at all? I don't You know, for me at this point, I, I, I really feel like they're going to keep him, dude, because I, I think 
like all the reports are like, you know, they might trade him and stuff. It's almost like it's the other teams and other reporters and other fans who are like kind of trying to will this into existence where if they keep saying <laughs> enough that like, oh, Giants are going to trade OBJ, that all of a sudden they're going to be like, hmm, yeah, maybe we should trade him, you know? Because I, I, I feel like there's not like a huge, huge incentive, you know? So for me, I, I think they, they keep him unless they get blown away with an offer. Uh, otherwise, it just doesn't really make sense um, at this point. I, I think, like you guys said, investing in the future is is keeping him and trying to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback, as opposed to trading OBJ for a bunch of picks and you know hoping for the best. So, oh boy, boys, Chris, what just happened? Break it, break it. <laughs> Bra- yeah, breaking news. Okay, so. Um, we just saw this uh, scroll across the timeline. Uh, uh, the Giants are trading Odell Beckham Jr. to the Browns. Um, and then I actually just saw the terms as well. Uh, the Giants are getting the Browns' first-round pick, which is number 17 overall. Uh, and they are also getting Jabril Peppers. And apparently that's it, which I can't believe. I don't know. This is just obviously, like we said, this just happened. So maybe some other details are coming out, but... Yeah, as far as reports right now, it's the Browns' first rounder and uh, their safety, Jabril Peppers, for OBJ. So I don't know. I mean, like this is like literally instant reaction. What do you What do you guys think as far as the return or the timing of it? Or I mean, we just literally wrapped up an episode talking about how you know on the fence as far as whether they keep him or not. But uh, obviously, they decided not to. Yep, I think the Browns just got much more exciting than they already were this past season. Uh, great move i think kyle yeah i'm uh that's it's really really exciting uh i think obj's got to be out of his mind excited oh there's one downside uh he has to live in cleveland but other than that <laughs> uh he gets to not only play with a young upstart quarterback who really seemed to be you know finding himself uh this past season and also you get Jarvis Landry as your as your uh, your gunnery mate. Like the the dude is a very 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 good receiver, and not only that, but your best friend. Yeah, he's got to be stoked. That's the coolest thing ever. I'm so excited to watch this now. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Let's uh, throw out a hot take real quick, just because I'm I'm thinking about how uh, the Steelers obviously losing Le'Veon Bell. They trade Antonio Brown. You have the Browns, who are a division rival. They just got OBJ. Who has the better record uh, next year, Steelers or Browns? Oh my God! Just Browns, just you know, sure. hot hot take. Go screw it, Browns. Why Browns not? 100%. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think Browns make the playoffs next year. I love when Kyle gives that gives that reaction. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He does, that's a thing you do. I love it. Oh, oh yeah, it is. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. What about you, huh? Question asker. Um, huh? Yeah, dude. I mean, I I, I want to say Browns too. Um, I want to maybe break the mold and just hold out on the Steelers. But I feel like, uh, dude, Cleveland's gonna be exciting to watch for sure. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, I think I think the Browns have a definitely a shot to take that division now at this point man i mean that's it's crazy um i did want to update one thing i guess the browns are they're also getting a third round pick uh or no sorry the giants are also getting the browns third round pick so the official deal is the giants get the browns first round pick which is number 17 overall they get one of the browns third round picks and they get their safety jabril peppers for obj so that's that's the deal uh Hot off the presses. Wow. 
that means they did fill that safety gap that they left with uh, with Landon Collins uh, signing with the Redskins. That's a hell of a way to do it. You could have just signed Collins, but uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't know, man. Home field, but hey, you know? <laughs> yeah, I wow. mean. Whew. Sterling Shepard, n- new number one receiver for, for the Giants. For sure, for sure. Dude, so I think that's our first actual, like, legit breaking news breaking on, news on air, the, kind of. We had, had the Manny Machado yeah. thing broke a little bit before yeah. one of our podcasts. But, uh, yeah, so we just wanted to jump back on and kind of give a little instant uh, analysis yeah. here. So. That's the beauty of, uh, you know, fixing stuff in post is we get to edit this in and this will be in and it'll make our podcast not immediately out of date and keeps it pretty current. So um, this will probably slide in now right after we just talked about, oh, where's OBJ going to go? Are the Giants going to hold on to him or are they going to trade him? Now well, we, now we all him. sound kind of dumb, but yeah, whatever. But it's in there now, so we're good. Uh, all right. And I guess from here, you will hear our transition into whatever the hell we transition to next. Well, if we can uh, do a natural segue here, I guess, that, you know, talking about whether or not to trade guys, hold on to them, build for the future. um, That is a perfect transition to uh, the NBA. And by that, I am referring to LeBron James and the Lakers and what the hell is going on in Southern California. Because... Uh, Jeff Van Gundy threw out the idea during the Lakers-Celtics game, uh, what, two nights ago or something, uh, that maybe the Lakers, it would be in their best interest to trade LeBron. Now, this has obviously gotten mixed reactions. I think we're going to get mixed reactions between the three of us about whether we think that's, as Stephen A. Smith says, utterly ridiculous, or... Maybe some of us think, like Colin Cowherd thinks, which is that this should definitely be something that's on the table for the Lakers. So who wants to kick this off with their opinion on whether or not LeBron should be traded by the Lakers? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to, to kick it off with that. Kick it uh, off. Yeah, go for it, Cal. I think maybe the first time in my entire life that I've sided with uh, your, at least your interpretation of what Stephen A. Smith would say, um, <laughs> I, I think that that's ridiculous. Utterly uh, ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry. There's a guy that does an amazing impression of him. I don't know if he's on his Dude, great. Bobby, our last guest was pretty good. I, I don't yeah, know if he did. I, I think he did some some impression, or he he just came up with some hypothetical sentence that Stephen A. Smith would say using all these crazy adjectives. You know, like how he yeah, does. He, he, he likes to use alliteration too, yeah. like it's perfectly preposterous. <laughs> but anyway, I, I just I, I don't see the merit in getting rid of him. Get rid of everyone else. That's not because because what is what are you going to get for LeBron that's actually going to make this team make the playoffs this year, which nothing is going to. And no. then they're not making the playoffs this year, replace, and we know that. Right, but like, who's going to replace him next year? Like it's just insane. Well, the it idea doesn't make sense to me at all. Like, get rid of Lonzo and Kuzma, and why is Rajon Rondo there? And like all these dudes, like Lance Stevenson, train them. <laughs> get rid of them and keep LeBron and keep Brandon Ingram, and those are the only two I think they should keep. Fair. I mean, people are saying they should trade LeBron. Like Van Gundy, I think said that if they trade him to the Clippers, and that would clear up cap space, and they have the best shot to get Durant, and you know. Then again, is Durant even leaving? You know, going back to our last show with not, you know, with a guest, which with, with Bobby, Bobby had this whole theory that's like, this is all BS. Durant's not going to leave. He's not going to leave the war. He was convinced that Durant's just oh, holding out. I totally out. think he is. You do? Yeah. 
please and, and elaborate. The, the, well, I, I just, I don't think he's staying and I don't blame him for it. I think he'd rather, you know, I think he's got his rings and now he wants to get, hey, this is obviously, I'm, I'm not speaking for the guy and, and I don't want him to yell at me if I, if I do. Uh, but, you know, he, I'm, I think that he is going to go somewhere and be the guy and, and lead his team, but I, I, I question his actual leadership ability. So that's my that's my concern. If they got rid of LeBron and then next year get KD, is like you are losing maybe the best leader we've ever seen in basketball. Yeah, I mean that's a fair point. I think as far as you know, keeping LeBron versus not, I feel like if they do move on from him, you know, we had talked, uh, you know, when the whole Anthony Davis thing was going on. If they trade LeBron, then you could say goodbye to Anthony Davis too. I feel like he, he's never going to come to LA if the, you're trading LeBron and he's kind of walking into a shit show there. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I feel like that I don't, I don't think they necessarily need to choose, you know, LeBron or some of these other young guys. Obviously this year didn't work out the way they expected. I feel like they were bringing him in hoping that they could get a little bit more out of some of the younger guys that they have. I mean, obviously they've had the injuries, uh, to, guys that were supposed to be their key pieces beyond LeBron and even LeBron himself has kind of dealt with that uh, somewhat this year. But I don't know. I think that obviously with this year, like it didn't work out, but I feel like next year, if they can get like that young group of core guys that like they were expecting to do a little bit better this year, if they're healthy and all that, I think it can kind of turn her into maybe not the, I guess, perfect perfect scenario like everybody thought or at least Lakers fans thought they would just kind of march into the NBA championship just because they got LeBron this year but I feel like they played a long game with him he's under contract for three more years I mean he is 34 but you're still talking about arguably the best player in the game still I feel like they gotta hang on to him and kind of see how things go in year two I feel like you know letting him go after year one is an overreaction especially with like we like we said, you know, not a completely healthy team at this point. Right, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I agree. It would be an overreaction. I think it's. I think Van Gundy just caused a swar- you know, shitstorm, if you will, of of all this talk now and about you know trading LeBron. It's just it seems pretty insane. But I can you know, with all the drama that goes into. The NBA, especially, it seems it feels like um, with where players want to go and players requesting to be traded and they don't want to be in this and all that's you know with this team and all that stuff. Um, why not? You <laughs> know, why not throw that option out there? Because I, and also it's like there's this there's such an impatience in LA with the Lakers specifically, and maybe it's because of the fact of they have so many freaking championships and they're one of the most storied franchises in all of sports. You could say, but like. There's when you get when they got LeBron, it was like instant success. What are their chances of winning an NBA championship next year and competing for the in the West for the with the Warriors? You know, uh, but like it didn't work out this year, and for a variety of reasons, you know, as you guys listed, and and now like people are bringing up the idea of hitting the panic button and like trading LeBron and trade LeBron. It didn't work out, so it's like maybe patience is key here and not making drastic moves. Um, yeah, you know, so. But, I mean, it is interesting to think about, like, what could they get if they did trade LeBron? Like, they could maybe capitalize, but would that be worth it? Losing who people would consider, like you said, Kyle, the best the best leader in basketball, the best person to lead a team 
you know, because, yeah, if they, oh, they clear up space for Durant, is Durant the right fit for that role? Doesn't seem like it. Um, and I guess, uh, I mean, this kind of transitions now into, uh, you know, Kevin Durant, leaders and personalities on teams. See how I'm trying to make the segue here? Whoa. Uh, Before you do make that segue, I oh. want to say that uh, one small bright spot for the Lakers, Andre Ingram brought back on a 10-day contract to the Lakers. He is just incredible, and I'm really excited for him, and that's about all I have to say about it. But I just wanted to give him a shout-out because he's super cool. Shout-out. We need a shout-out button. We don't have that. Get that on. Get we'll get that, that on, on the soundboard. We'll get that, that on the soundboard for the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We only used it once, um, which apparently was something that Noah told us is from a different podcast. So we apologize to that podcast. Um, when, when we use the these shit sucks, us. <laughs> Kyle, you know what podcast that's from? Yeah, I do. That's I. I believe it's from uh, YKS. Uh, your Kickstarter. Sucks. That's right. That's okay. Uh, it's a podcast yeah. that. Noah and my brother both listened to it cool. very much and uh, and I know that both of them were very excited you used it whether or not you borrowed it from another podcast we did so <laughs> apologies for ripping off that podcast for one episode one segment of an episode so um, please don't send us a bill um, so Russell Westbrook got into a heated exchange with a fan uh, last night yesterday yeah um, apparently this Utah jazz fan made some racist comments, um, talked about Westbrook's family or something. And, uh, yeah, I mean, really quick, just touching on that. Like, I guess Westbrook was fined $25,000. I just read on the score and the Utah fan has now been banned from a Utah, the Utah jazz attending Utah jazz games for, for, for life. So that's, that's good. I, I, watched the interview with the fan afterwards and I was it certainly seemed like he was not being truthful about what happened and I don't think I mean I understand we kind of expect Russell Westbrook to be a little heated about most things but uh, I don't think he would have exaggerated too much about what actually happened unless he thought it was happening like that and yeah you talk about Russell Westbrook getting you know having kind of a thin skin when it comes to this like this is not the first time Westbrook has interacted with fans like uh, in Utah. I think in Utah, again, last year he slapped a guy's hand that was asking for a high five or something. I think that was in Utah. Um, I thought he tried to grab the guy's phone. Yeah, he. he I think oh, he, he, slapped a, he slapped a guy's phone out of his hand. He was trying was it to... His fan? Oh, it was yeah. his phone. Okay, okay. Um, all right. Well, still, uh, slap something out of a guy's hand. Yeah. Uh, Denver In the Denver Nuggets... Uh, in Denver, uh, a kid like hit his arm. You remember that one? There was like a yeah, whistle blown weird. dead, which is kind of weird. I mean, it's just a little kid. Obviously, it didn't hurt, but I think what Russell Westbrook was just kind of looking like, man, really? Even the children are. <laughs> Even the he children? Did, he took that one really well, though. He did. That he, one, I actually really appreciated what he did because if you watch the video, this kid like smacked him. And first of all, where is your parent stopping you from touching a professional basketball player while you're sitting courtside dude he's a kid sitting with courtside seats all right he's pro i mean not to make assumptions but i'm gonna make an assumption maybe a brat spoiled rich kid (laughs) it just is i mean maybe they don't let kids in in the absolute courtside seats then i don't i don't think it's a thing that you should allow somebody with complete like running off total impulse like children always do i don't think you let them be that close and anyway he turned around and like 
kind of pat the kid on the leg and like had a little powwow with him telling him you can't do stuff like that. I, I thought that was really, you know, a, a good move by him and kind of not yelling at the kid's dad or anything about like, why are you letting him do this? Instead, he yeah. brought it up with the kid himself, which was, which is definitely showing his, his uh, leadership side. abilities yeah. or, or maturity. Yeah. You know? Um, not something often talked about with Russell Westbrook. No, and 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 another incident at a Nuggets game where after the game a, a Nuggets fan got onto the court and was able to just scream in his face. You know, like right. Oh yeah, I remember that. And I think that fan. You know, there are instances that this all has happened, and and that fan I think got banned from Nuggets games now. Like there are consequences, which is good to see um, to these fans doing these types of things to play. I mean, specifically now Russell Westbrook on two occasions here, at least uh, people, a fan getting suspended or not suspended, a fan getting just expelled for life from attending or banned for life from attending that team's games. Um, But like, I guess just going into the bigger scope of the conversation here is like, what should be done? Is, Is it okay that fans are able to have that kind of, intimate interaction at these games and causing players to get $25,000 fines and then having fans have the ability to get themselves banned for life from the team. Is that like, I mean, this is, I don't think it's a positive for the sport. So like, is there a change that needs to be made? You know, we can all go back and talk about the Ron Artest incident, you know, remember when he, you know, there was a Pacers, whatever game. and. Pistons? Yes, that's yeah. right. Pacers yep. Pistons and like jumping into the crowd and he beat the crap out of the wrong guy. <laughs> right? Yeah, it was, it was him and uh, oh god, who was the who was the other guy that, that went to the crowd? There another guy that jumped in. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, can't remember his name either. But there was, was another was guy. It ben Wallace? Was it Ben Wallace? That was also that might have been it. That might have been it. Up. But like, that is obviously not okay. But can you blame the guys if, like, you're getting a Diet Coke thrown at you, all right? Absolutely not. Dude. I don't blame them at all. I mean, I think it, I think people, or especially fans, like, especially people sitting close, don't think about these people as humans. It's insane to me. Not only is he human, this is a huge man. <laughs> I don't want to fight Russell Westbrook. No. Like, like, a month ago, somebody yelled something so startling of Blake Griffin then he turned around and goes, what the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, dude, he got, he was out for how many, uh, how many months for breaking his hand, punching his friend in the face? <laughs> You're going to start any kind of negative altercation with that guy? Yeah. And Russell Westbrook, known for running hot, why would you say anything negative? I mean, I guess that kind of makes him an easy target in a way. Yeah. Because know he's going to react, but these people are just, I mean, let's, you know, <laughs> short of saying they're terrible people, let's just say they make poor decisions in the moment, but you don't need to yell terrible things at athletes. It won't do anything. Yeah, and, like, especially stuff that's, I mean, man, like, any racist comments are never okay, and it's just, like... In that case, it's, I mean, and get going personal, like, I don't know, I'm going to be the first to admit that I've heckled outfielders, you know? I just, like, I remember there was some guy on the Indians, the Cleveland Indians playing uh, the A's, and uh, and this was years ago, and it was, uh, like, Chu, I think it was, like, Shinsu Chu, yeah. is that him? Mm-hmm. He was, like, the right fielder, and I was just, you know, having some beers and just 
yelling, chew, chew. Like, that's all I said. Like, I wasn't saying any wrong. Like, and that, I think, is all in the spirit and fun of, like, just competition and having a home field advantage and, like, heckling, right? Maybe people even think that's not okay, but I. Someone has two different socks on, you know? Yeah, yeah, man. I think, like, I just think, like, there are lines to be drawn when you start making it personal and especially racist, you know? Yeah, like for sure. Um, I feel like, and I want to just bring up like a good point, Kyle, that you said, you know, I think fans sometimes do forget that these athletes are humans, you know, like we all go to these games and, you know, none of us have ever thrown a beer at an athlete or said something, you know, like personal, racial, whatever to an athlete, because I think we kind of, you know, we understand that this is entertainment, but at the same time, there's, a person on the other side of that line or the court or whatever. And a very big person. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, you, especially with these guys that, you know, I think there are certain fans who are literally just going there to kind of get a raise out of someone, whether they're going to claim it's because, Oh, I'm trying to, uh, you know, like get a raise out of them to affect his play, whatever that kind of stuff. Like, there's definitely no room for that. And I feel like, especially with NBA, you know, like the courtside seat and all that stuff, you're basically on the bench at that point. You know, and I mean, like, there, you know, MLB, you get pretty close to the dugout and, you know, you have a chance to interfere with, like, baseball and all that stuff on, you know, down the foul lines. But NBA, by far, I think, is like the most intimate as far as where the seats are in relation to the players. And, I think that's no surprise why the NBA is like the most consistent sport that we've seen where like these, you know, altercations happen and all that stuff. So, I mean, as far as, you know, league image and all that, I don't know what you can do if you're the NBA because I don't think taking away the courtside seats is going to be a very popular thing. I mean, even though, you know, the casual casual fans never going to be able to afford that anyway. But, you know, my point is you got to do something because I, I don't think it's fair for Westbrook to, I mean, he, he held his cool in this situation. Like, I think, you know, I think the quote was like, he said, I'll fuck you up or whatever to the guy, Yeah. but he didn't actually do it. But that, I, that can't he be. He did also say he was going to fuck up the dude's wife too. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. He but that's because. Guy, the, the quote that I heard was the guy said um, something like, why don't you get on your knees like you used to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. Westbrook took that extremely offensively, and I guess his wife was saying things too. Yeah, the wife said it too, is what I heard. So in that case, if you're what a lovely to me, couple. to me, like I mean, you know, like we've <laughs> talked about this before. I'm not gonna like promote like hitting people, but just because you're a woman, if you're heckling and doing that same kind of stuff, you're in the same boat. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, valid. I mean, it's not like he went up to her on the street and just punched her. She's putting herself in that same situation. I don't think anyone gets a pass once you're at that point. I mean, yeah, if you're a kid or something, but Westbrook, like like we talked about a couple minutes ago, like he handled that situation very professionally because he was talking to you know a younger kid. These are grown adults. Like yeah. if you're gonna heckle them, especially when you start to make it offensive, I, I'm okay with with what he said because obviously he didn't follow through. But yeah, it. It takes me back to, I think Bill Burr did a bit on the Ron Artest incident. And like, he was like, yeah, you remember, remember that, and that guy, you know, when you're a fan of a game and you hear those guys in the stands going like, come up here, what are you going to do? Come up here. And he's like, well, they went up there. <laughs> yeah. Careful what you ask for. beat him with his own shoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. 
That's hilarious, man. And so it's like, it never, I don't think it's justified ever for a player to like, you know, professional athletes get paid a ton of money. They need to be able to handle this and take, you know, they need to be able to take um, some form of verbal abuse from a fan base. You're, it's, it's, it has been happening for years and it will continue to happen. It's like just become part of the game to get heckled, but to a certain degree, right? Like right, there needs to be a line. There needs to be a line, obviously. And you know, I think as a freaking society, we should be able, I mean, I think the majority of people know where that line is, but obviously there are idiots that exist like that Utah couple that said this stuff to Westbrook yesterday. And, and now the they're banned. That lady that yelled at LeBron, the Warriors fan that yelled at LeBron. That's right. That yeah. Super out of line. Yeah, it's very out of line. And, uh, yeah, that was like two years ago or three years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, it, it, they're everywhere. You know, it's there's always those idiot fans that exist. And I think just like you said, though, Chris, like basketball being the intimate setting, it, I think, causes more of this these types of interactions, um, which is for the negative. And it's like, how do you address that? I, I mean... It seems like the way to address it is to maybe have some sort of, you know, league-wide thing that is discussed and all, that all the players know, like, hey, this is obviously potentially something that could happen as we have seen now as it has in the, happened already in the past. And and you need to be able to look the other way. But at the same time, like, there needs to be, there need to be consequences to those fans and I'm glad we're seeing those fans get banned from these games. Right. I, I don't know how that is enforced by the way. Like I'm really curious how, how, how do you ban somebody from going to a game ever? Like for the rest of their life? Like how does that person not just get a ticket from their friend and walk into the arena? Yeah. How does that happen? I don't, I want to know. I don't know. I'm don't, actually I asking. Don't, yeah. I actually like, don't, I don't know either. Where I they mean, have pictures of that person. I on think the, they, on the wall? I think they do, but then it's like, how are you really going to enforce that? Every that? single security guard that works there has to know exactly what that guy looks like and the 700 other people who are banned from there. So yeah. it's, yeah, it, I don't know how you could actually I mean, enforce it. I mean, it's a very, it's a step that had to be taken, but like, that's not going to solve yeah, anything. It's, it's more symbolic. It seems like to me, like, I'm glad I'm happy. I was happy to read that headline today, but then at the same time, I'm thinking in my head, like, is this just for show? Like, how are they actually going to enforce that? Oh, we're never going to accept a credit card with this person's name. God forbid that person's name is like John Smith or something like <laughs> super common. And it's like, you know, it's like, like, that'd be hilarious. And then every John Smith is like, God oh, damn it. Like I'm a huge Utah jazz fan. I want to go see the game, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I definitely think it's something that needs to be addressed. Like, and it seems like it sort of is now, but I don't know. I mean, even at, at baseball games, you guys both know you. There are ushers that are standing there, at least warning you if you, you know you yell profanity at, at a player or something. And I haven't really seen that section, especially the the uh, you know ones that cost way more money that I want to spend on basketball tickets but uh there's not a ton of policing of those fans and what they're saying to players it doesn't doesn't make a ton of sense to me yeah, yeah maybe I mean, that's maybe that's a the way to take care of it is like okay now all nba arena usher staff need to or security staff need to be on alert for that and if they hear something that there's a there's a training that they go through that like if a fan crosses this these lines uh, like they're out and I think there already is something like that in place, but maybe it needs to be more strictly enforced. Yeah, I mean, I feel like part of it too is like, just like it goes back to the courtside seats and how close you are to the court. It's like, you almost have to, and maybe this is a solution, 
put you know a guy in a in a jersey and and all that stuff like kind of undercover cop and put him there or something like that because it's hard to I think without like disrupting the game it's hard to put you know a cop like right on the side of the court you know what I mean so just yeah. like just I don't know well, they do have them. there are cops on the side of the court yeah yeah well but there's it's, cops everywhere venues, well, but well like, there is everywhere but I'm saying like you know I, I just don't understand how this continues to be that like, huge of an issue then if that either they're not you know doing the job or, or something I don't, I don't know Description or something. Yeah, Maybe. I, I agree with you. It's, yeah, some change needs to be made. So this this doesn't keep happening at the frequent at the rate that it is, right? So like, yeah, we'll see. I mean, this is definitely a headline today, and and we'll see what you know what comes of it in the near future. Uh, I guess moving on now into uh, you know speaking of altercations and and drama and and you know having uh you know, getting heated and not being able to contain your emotions. Uh, I think a perfect example of that in a human being of just always bubbling and boiling over is Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. I think he is in trouble again. Um, yeah, he got arrested again. Got arrested for strong-armed robbery, which I thought is funny because that's the that's what he was arrested for. And it's like, yeah, you think. Uh <laughs> This <laughs> slightly strong arm. This slightly strong arm. Hey man, is that illegal? This just ripped. <laughs> this ripped dude definitely Jerry used his strong arm to grab this guy's phone. As uh, a fan, apparently was coming out. A fan and Conor McGregor apparently coming out of a Miami Beach resort at like 5 a.m. I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy tried to take a picture of Conor McGregor. I don't know exactly. Obviously, none of us were there. We. I mean, I think there was foot footage of this. I didn't see it, but. Maybe you guys can describe it, but apparently, I guess, McGregor got pissed. Maybe he had too many drinks. I have no idea. Maybe maybe he was just Conor McGregor, and he's always angry. And he slapped it out of this guy's hand and stomped on his yeah. phone several times. I'm sorry. It's not funny. I'd be pissed if that was my phone, but, like, it's a damn funny thing. Well, <laughs> well and I think the reason he also... Sorry, go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, the reason I think... Well, he also gra- he grabbed the phone and took it with him, too. Oh, yeah, I think that's, that's That's what the robbery part was. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I just think it was really funny. They're like, they quote, you know, his thousand dollar phone. I was like, so you mean an iPhone? So an iPhone, like, yeah. Yeah, like, okay, that's not super special. Supposed to be days. valued like, at, uh, estimated to be valued at a thousand dollars. It's like, oh, okay, you mean like all the phones that are right. from Apple now, and you don't know that it's actually a thousand dollars because you're paying it off monthly, and it seems like it's not that expensive, but they just happen to charge that much now for an iPhone. Yeah, okay, an iPhone. Just say an iPhone. That, just, just that say that. Touch, that touch you a little bit. Yeah. Hit <laughs> home a little bit on the <laughs> payment plan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Damn Verizon, AT and T. You know. <laughs> Apple Apple is not the enemy here. We're talking about McGregor. <laughs> okay, sorry. It's so Conor uh, McGregor. Yeah, go ahead, Kyle. What were you gonna say? It's kind of mind-blowing me. You'd think, I mean, he literally, what, days before um, completed some some uh, court-ordered community service uh, following the, the last year's thing where he attacked that bus, which, I mean... Dude, he beat up a bus! <laughs> well, he... he it, it was crazy reading the accounts of that incident, too. Like, someone, another fighter that was on the bus, like, because um, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov... I got through that last name. Did good job. Uh, because he was on there and he's Russian and stuff, people thought it was the Russian mob. 
like coming to like kill everybody. <laughs> like it was, it was like people their their accounts were crazy. I mean, Rose Namajunas, who I think she lost recently, but she was the 115 pound women's champ for. I think she defended her belt twice or won. In the, she has like, or she says she has lasting like psychological scarring damage from from that attack, and and a guy had glass in his eye from it and wasn't able to to compete that night. Like this was a big deal, and you'd think he'd be able to keep his nose clean, but then after that after that fight with Khabib, he jumped out of the or he didn't jump out of the cage, but like you know, fought somebody else in the cage after the fight, and then this whole thing. It's like, dude, you're you're going to be, you know, actually, I just realized, maybe he's trying not to fight. Maybe he's <laughs> trying to find any reason to not fight in the UFC anymore, but he still wants to be on contract. Yeah, but he's just fighting, well, he's just finding different ways. He's fighting yeah, buses he's, and he's fighting iPhones and now. So he doesn't have to do that. He's fighting, he's fighting objects iPhones. now, clearly. My, okay. my question is, knowing all of that, why, as just, you know, a normal person, would then you just go up in his face, knowing he has the anger issues that he has, and just assuming he could take a picture, you know, right in front of his face, and then, what was he going to, like, was the guy prepared to just, like, fight him on the spot if McGregor I, snapped and, like, punched the guy? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying McGregor, like, uh, isn't in the wrong, like, you gotta, you know, have a little bit of self-control, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it just kind of goes back to what we were just talking about with the Westbrook stuff and all that. Right. Like, people kind of forget that just because these guys are, like, famous athletes, they're also people. Like, maybe you shouldn't just get up in a guy's face and take a picture or, you know, like, bombard him with, like, these things. Like, oh, can I get an autograph? All that stuff. It's like, yeah. at certain times, it kind of still crosses the line. Yeah, on that point, I think two things I want to make about that. One somebody like conor mcgregor i think with these repeated incidents and like i think just the i the actual idea of being a ufc fighter an mma fighter like you have to have a certain like some sort of switch in your brain or something going on where you just like you're fine you can either beat in the face well, yeah the like you are beating the crap out of people for a living that's what you do that's what you make all your money doing and it's like you have to be able to fight like that it's not like other sports where it's like all right i'm i need to be able to look at these guys as an enemy but i'm gonna outplay them in a sport this is actually physical fighting beating the crap out of somebody and i think conor mcgregor is an example of somebody that i don't think has that switch he is always 120 percent adrenaline going all the time like he can anything can snap him if it's just a picture you know by a fan with an iphone and then he just beats the crap out of the iphone and stomps like Dude, this guy has an issue, and he is, and I think it's like, he is always like on the verge of just boiling over. He's a freaking ticking time bomb, basically. I've, I've watched a lot of interviews with him and, and pre-fight conferences and stuff, and MMA is something I enjoy quite a bit. He's really calculated in the way he answers questions and the way he conducts himself in interviews. That's I, I'm almost on the side of like, what made these instances special? Because he seems almost opposite what you're saying. Like he, he seems hyper calculating a lot of the time. So it's almost like when he gets maybe he's just hyper calculating when he's on camera. I, I just I don't get it. He's so confusing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, just doesn't make sense why you do this especially you know you were just doing community service and you also know someone's gonna be like uh officer conor mcgregor uh yeah you know the guy the guy who talks funny he <laughs> just stole my phone and smashed it 
Like, well, like no one's gonna recognize the guy with a with a panther tattooed on his neck. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the guy looks like, and he's probably running around the you know wherever they are drinking his own whiskey, yeah. talking about it. Well. Yeah, <laughs> stringing dues or whatever, some Irish thing, right? So no, he, he, he started, I can't remember what it's called, but he started an Irish whiskey company in the last <laughs> oh, year. He did. He's, he's slated to fight um, uh, Cow, Donald Cowboy Cerrone next, who is uh, sponsored by Budweiser. And Donald Cerrone reached out to Conor McGregor and said, all right, at the press conference, you bring the whiskey, I'll bring the beer. Oh, my God. That's it's one hilarious. Of well, the other point I wanted to make, though, was like you talked about these guys are human, right? Like the, the you need to be able to. I mean, obviously, and now Conor McGregor is somebody that I think if you're a fan and you want to go up and ask for an autograph, you're going to be very tentative about doing so. You're going to be like, um, Mister McGregor, could I, could I, if you, if it was okay, could you, would you sign this piece of paper for me? Would you sign my hat? Then, and but that's the thing is like, dude, like fans exist. There are an abundance of fans that just put stuff out there to get signed. I actually went. I went to this event with with Nicole um, at this at the, for, before a San Jose Barracuda game this past Saturday, and we got into this like invite only like season ticket sales pitch for the Barracuda, and Yevgeny Nabokov and Mike Ricci, these like legendary Sharks players, were there, and they did this little talking thing, and then they had a little ten minute sesh where people could go up and ask for an autograph. I'm gonna brag really quick. On the uh, on the air, I got Mike Ricci and Evgeny Nabokov's autograph on this hat that I'm Sick. wearing today, and I'm really stoked about it. But the way people were asking about getting autographs, there were people just going up there and just just handing them stuff and just putting stuff in front of them. Like, and I, I think there's a point to be made. Like, treat them like a person. Like, don't just just eh, sign. Like, there were adults, like grown adult parents, doing that. Like, be nice. Like, I know my oh, parents yeah, always said when I went to go meet Cal players. Well, sorry. Oh, the people are doing that, and then they're doing it to, like, sell stuff on eBay, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's stupid. But, like, I was raised, like, my dad always told me, like, to, like, hey, go go ask for his, go ask for the autograph. Come on, don't ask him and say please. Like, manners, common courtesy, treating people like humans, like people. And, and, and... Yeah, you know, like, I went to Ricci and was like, Ricci, man, like, I look at you like you're the face of the Sharks. I grew up looking at you as you were the face of hockey for me. And, like, you know, just say something to make it, like, you know, just make, you know. And then, obviously, I was like, can I get a can I get a signature on the hat, blah, 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 you know? Like, I think there's a there's a conversation to be had rather than just, like, uh, you're, Yeah, I mean, you know, it, like, not treating him like an autograph machine yeah, goes a long way, dude, for sure. I just, and, and maybe... Yeah, and maybe this person is just like, Hey, McGregor! You know, like, let's, let's get a picture! And he just puts his phone in his face, and maybe that's what happened. Maybe not. I don't know. Like, I need to watch the footage, I guess. Clearly, yeah. I didn't do my research on that front. But, like, there are fans that exist that just don't treat players and athletes like humans, and we've seen this in a variety of ways, as we've already talked about, by saying these horrific things to them and sticking autograph pieces that they want signatures on like in front of athletes and expecting that they have an obligation to do so you know and i don't know i yeah. think it's wrong i mean i i think too it's like it's 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 easy for us to like kind of quickly go about like oh like well how come he can't just like be cool about it or whatever and it's like if you put yourself in that situation like i don't know how would any of us react if like we can't even go out in public and go five minutes without someone trying to take a picture or sign an autograph, whatever. So 
I mean, yes, because he's in the spotlight, there is a certain degree of professionalism that he has to have. But like, unless any of us put ourselves in that situation, I mean, it's hard to. I mean, I don't think I would go and punch a guy or anything like that. But it's like if they get a little bit ticked off, like I can kind of understand it because I mean, I'm sure it happens every day for them. Right. You know, maybe Conor McGregor is just like he is calculated and, and like intelligent and can have a calm side to him. But maybe when he does get pissed off. Um, it's not to like zero to 50, it's zero to a freaking hundred million, you know, for him. Maybe he doesn't have that, like, I'm ticked off right now, but I'm just going to try and keep it my cool. No, maybe he's just like, boom. Yeah. When he's pissed off, it's like bull seeing red. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Um, (laughs) we'll have to have him on the show and ask him. Yeah, yeah, we'll have yeah, Conor McGregor on the show. Uh, yeah. Well, that's going to do it here for uh, our analysis of <laughs> Conor McGregor and his psyche. Um, but <laughs> well, uh, this was uh, this was some good stuff. We touched on uh, some 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 deep stuff here, boys. A busy NFL free agency uh, period so far. Um, we'll see what gets inked and official. I guess tomorrow, and we'll be able to you know see where everybody truly lands and or see if Barr is the only one that's going to be uh, getting sick feelings and taking back his verbal commitments. But, uh, dude, Kyle, this was this was good times having you on the pod, man. We've been talking about this for a while. We finally got it done. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy you guys had me on. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's a ton of fun. I like listening to you guys every week, and uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, man, thank you. Coming in from Portland. Did Portland treating you well up there? Oh, yeah, I'm... I'm you know, East Bay to Portland. I'm, I'm uh, should be playing point guard for the tip for the uh, Trailblazers. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Are you? Uh, what are you? You're working at a restaurant. You cooking some tasty dishes? What's going on up there? Cooking some tasty dishes, man. Doing some doing some good stuff. Yeah, it's having fun and and working. Dude, nice man. What did you cook today? You work today? Yeah, I worked today. I did, did some prep. Uh, we had a pretty. Uh, well, beginning of lunch service is pretty slow then it really ramped up for a minute there it was uh, all hands on deck for about an hour and 15 or so it's, uh, it was good nice nice well glad to hear it's going well up there man thanks for coming on uh, the pod and uh, dude we'll catch thanks up with you me. we'll catch up with you again we're gonna have you back if you're down uh, right I'd love to Absolutely. <laughs> sweet man totally alright well thanks everyone for listening and uh, follow the podcast we're on Instagram Chris what's our handle yeah, we got a CB Sports Podcast on Instagram, uh, CB Sports Pod on Twitter, uh, and then as far as all your listening options, I mean, we're everywhere. Wherever wherever you're listening right now, keep going with that. Going but you that. do yeah. have other options as well. So uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, rocking. All right, we'll catch all of you next week. Later.